is up, Church Unlimited. Wow, great to have you guys here. Thanks so much for joining us. I want to say a quick hello to all of our campuses, all those people who are watching online as well, as well as our God Behind Bars guys. Let's give it up for those guys too. Grateful for you guys as well. What a great crowd. Thanks guys for showing up. It's so good. I'm so honored that you guys came to see me. Wow. What an honor to have you guys here. Well, listen, we're so excited. We have an incredible special guest here. We're so fired up. I have so much to ask her, and I want to get right to it. So let's give a warm welcome right now to Sadie Robertson Huff. Come on up, Sadie. Ready to do this? All right. Have a seat. Hello, hello. Oh, man, this is so great to have you here. We are just honored to have the Duck Dynasty princess in the house. Wow, thank you. Thank you. Right? And so it is great to have you here. We were already talking backstage about how you were going to go crawdad fishing, I believe it was, in Florida. You're talking about that. I mean, all kinds of stuff. So, yep, like, so it's true. real. I mean, it's real. Like, you're fully like, oh. indoctrinated Louisiana all the way. It's reality TV. I love it. It's so good. It's so good. Well, it's, <laughs> it really is real, though. It's great. I love having you here. It's such an honor. I want to just first of all say, first of all, you know, so many people right now are canceling events. We felt really called just to do what we do to do church, even with COVID, because I just, you know, last time I checked, the Bible says the church will prevail and the gates of hell great. won't prevail That's against great. us. So we're going to have church. So here we are. And we reached out and just said to your team and said, hey, is Sadie still open? And you guys didn't back off one bit. You're like, oh, no, we're coming. We got that we date like, set. You were like, are y'all still open? <laughs> we were so excited because of like the whole year, I was supposed to do events every single week. And this was the only event of the whole year that stayed open with the crowd. So that is pretty awesome. That's yeah. pretty awesome. I love it. Love it, love it, love it. Well, Sadie, there's so much I have to ask you, so I'm going to dive right in. I've already been digging in your book, which is really great, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. Great stuff. I'm sure it's doing well, and uh, you got to pick up a copy. If you don't have a copy, I'm going to show you right now. It's called Live, and so it's a derivative. All all the names of your books have the word live in them. Mm -hmm. I love that, and so great read, really, really powerful stuff, and so now before I start asking some questions about that, though, I just want you to back up and just tell us, when did you become a Christ follower? When did that happen for you? Yeah, so I always grew up in a Christian family. My parents are Christians. I went to church. But um, for me, whenever I kind of came to my own relationship with the Lord, I was 13. I actually um, used to play basketball pretty competitively. Uh, and so I went overseas to play in Austria. And whenever I was playing over there, you know, I, my family couldn't afford to go with me. So I was the only one, I, you know, raised money to go. And so super excited. And I get over there and I just did not know like how sheltered I had been. You know, I live in a Christian home, my town is just like everybody I knew was a Christian. And I remember praying to God, like, give me one person who doesn't believe so I can just like preach to them. Like, I remember thinking that like 13 and I go over to Austria and I didn't know like nobody there was going to be a Christian. Like they were just shocked. I remember my roommate, her last name was Lazarus. And I was like, that's so cool. She's like, why? <laughs> and I told her and she was like, didn't even know the story. So I was like, wow, this is my place. Um, and I just realized over there that I love the Lord, that I really want to follow him and so came back got baptized my dad baptized me um, but it really wasn't until 17 that I really took my faith super seriously and that's whenever I kind of say I really started following Jesus you know in the Bible whenever Jesus would walk up to disciples like they would drop everything and they would follow him and I feel like whenever I was younger I followed him but I didn't like drop everything and I feel like when I was 17 that was more of my like drop everything I'm following you more wow. serious I love it I love it 
Now, I'm going to dig into that in a minute because I have all kinds of questions about Great. your faith and Great, all that. Yeah. But, but, you know, you've had a big event happen in the last, say, about 10 months. I sure enough did. Ayo. <laughs> <laughs> I say, Christian, why don't you at least take a couple steps up so we can get you in the light and you can wave. Yeah. Your husband is with you right now. He's a cutie. So coming up here, this is the man right here. Right. I like the around the world wave, babe. Christian, okay. do, do your friends just say, dude, you pulled off Sadie Robertson? Like, do they kind of, you know, say that to you? At the beginning of it, they did, yeah. Okay, so how did that happen? Because we've got a lot of young people who are looking for that person in their life. And yeah. so how'd that happen for you guys, and what lessons can we learn from that? Yeah, I was kind of joking with them back there. They asked me how I met Christian. I said, well, it's kind of funny. The day before I met Christian, I had just broken up with somebody, and I was so done with dating. I made a very dramatic statement to all my friends. I was like, I'm done with this. Like, I am taking six months to just be with the Lord and not date anybody. And so they're like, can I get that on camera? And I'm like, yes, record me. So they filmed me say this. And the next day, I see Christian on the beach. And I turned around and I said, delete the video. <laughs> I was like... I was like, oh gosh. Um, but we were talking about how that is really a thing. Like, yeah. it seems like a lot of people, whenever you finally are like, okay, I'm done with the search. God, I just want to be with you now. It's like when you finally surrender that, um, even desperation for a relationship, yeah. I think that's sometimes whenever God puts the right person. Because even me just saying that slowed me down a lot to actually just get to know Christian as a person and him get to know me without the whole like, oh, are we going to date? What are we? Are we talking over this? We're just like, you're a great person and you make me better. And then all of a sudden we were dating, you know? Wow, that's great. It's, so, it's such good insight. You, we were saying backstage about how everyone I know who said, I'm only going to date, I'm just going to date God for a year or whatever time frame you, you attach on. They, the dilemma they always face is that they're like, I don't know what to do. I'm nine months in and I met this amazing person. I'm like, yep. what a great dilemma to have. Yeah, so, really? so you're saying the surrender was the difference maker. Like just oh, saying, totally. I'm done. So just like when you're done, that means Jesus can pick it up from there. For sure. And I'll say like, I was in this pattern where I was just dating and dating and dating the next person. I was just like searching for this relationship. And my parents got married young. My brother got married young and I so wanted that to be my life that I just like wanted to date somebody. But I wasn't really actually looking to God and saying like, who do you have for me? I wasn't surrendering that and slowing down. I was trying to do it like in my own, my own will, my own way, my own timing. And so that really was a huge surrender. It's funny that I met him the next day and we kind of joke about it, but it really was a significant moment with my friend saying like, I see the pattern I'm on and I'm laying that down because I really want what the Lord has for me. And then the Lord brought him really fast. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you said too that you met, but then how long was it when you met to the first date? Yeah, it was really funny. So very shortly after Christian asked me on a date, it was like in July, and he said, what weekend works for you? And I said, how about September the 10th? And he said, it's July. And I said, exactly. I was like, I need some time. Like, I don't want to rush into it because that's what I've been doing. I just rushed it. And in those two months, we talked all the time on the phone and we really got to just know each other. And we did not flirt. We did not act like we were dating. We did not, and nothing like that. We literally talked and it was so fun because it was like, this is a book I've read. This is a sermon I'm listening to. You should read this. You should listen to this. This is what God's really speaking to me while I'm reading this chapter of the Bible. And so we actually got like really quality conversation. Then our first date, we had already set the tone for what our relationship was going to be, which was really special. I hope a lot of people are taking notes right this right now. If you're young and single, it's, it's, it's brilliant stuff, and it's great to see the obvious foundation that you, that you both have. So, okay, here's, I want to keep going. I got so many things to ask you. Uh, 
so many young people right now, you know, Sadie, you, you've really captured the attention of a generation. And unfortunately, right now, most girls your age that are trying to capture the attention of a generation are doing all the wrong things to do it. And so you are, as my wife would say, a unicorn. <laughs> You're very rare in the way that you, you, know, you, you have attracted followers by your innocence, by your purity, by your moral stance, by your godliness. It's incredible that you do that. So my question for you is, so many young people are, are desiring to be famous now. What would you say to that person who's desiring that? That's a great question. Um, yeah, I see that a lot. You know, I think people need to understand what it means to be famous is just means simply that a lot of people know about you, you know, that you're known by a lot of people. And I think you really need to think about that, you know, like who you are right now, you're going to be the same person when you're famous, but now a lot of people know about you. You're going to face the same insecurities. You're going to face the same fears. It might even be magnified and, you know, it might even be expedited because you have thousands and millions of people talking about what they think about you. So sometimes that insecurity can raise even higher. And so I think people have this idea of what fame looks like, but it's really just who you are with a lot of people knowing you. And so it doesn't add anything to your life. It doesn't really add value to your life unless you use it for something. So I see a lot of people wanting to be influencers and I always encourage people, instead of being just an influencer, try to be a leader. Like think about like, think about That's what good. you're saying. Like think about the person that you are and what you're influencing people to do and the kind of leadership that you're gonna have because it really matters. And I just remember whenever fame kind of took on for my family and whenever I went out to Dancing with the Stars and that's kind of whenever my life changed. I got offered anything the world could offer you out there in LA. And I just remember looking at the outcome that it had for most people and thinking, I don't want that outcome for my life. And then I would look at the Bible and I would look at the truth of God's word and the outcome that the promises of God had. And I'm like, which do you want? <laughs> you know, clearly this is a much better option. Um, and so I just realized there's a truth of the word and there's a way of the world that kind of makes you lose yourself and there's a place where you can really find your identity. So I took this route and then I really started to think about leading. And you know, I think that's not just something that hit me whenever I was 17 and fame hit me. My grandma used to say to me every single day before school, be a good leader and example today. And I still hear that, like, be a good leader and example today. And I think girls and guys, too, we shouldn't just strive to be famous. Again, we need to strive to be those good leaders and examples because the world really needs that, and that makes a difference. I remember whenever I was 17, right after Dance with the Stars, and I just remember asking the Lord, like, what am I supposed to do with this? And I remember telling the Lord, I think you chose the wrong person. Like, I specifically remember telling him that. Because I was like, I think like a lot of girls would really want to be famous, but this like really scares me. And I don't really know what to do with this. Because people would say like, oh, you're going to end up like this person. You're going to end up like this person. No reality TV star, you know, stays in their faith. And that like scared me. I was like, well, I don't want to do that. I don't want to go crazy. And I remember looking at my mom and saying, if I show signs of crazy me, lock me in a basement. Like I was like, do not let me do that. But seriously, I was so afraid of that. And I was so afraid of people just knowing what I looked like and all the things. And so... I had this prayer with God, and I remember the Lord just speaking the sweetest thing over my life. And it wasn't audible. I didn't hear the Lord say it, but I just felt it, and I knew it was just a word. And he just said, just be a good sister and a friend. Don't think about the fame. Just be a good sister and a friend to people. And so now, through Instagram, podcasts, blogs, my whole like foundation is just, I'm just going to be a really good sister and a friend to people. And what I would do in being a good sister and a friend is to be vulnerable with them. I would be honest with them. I would not point them 
to all of their fleshly desires, but I would point them to the truth of God's word, just like I do for my own sisters and friends. And so it keeps me, you know, rooted in what I know I'm doing and not trying to reach for everything that the world is tempting me to do. If that makes sense. That's impressive. That's so good. Wow. So, you know, it's funny, you mentioned uh, Dance with the Stars. So your dad, this is hilarious, your dad approved every outfit you wore. He sure enough did. So yeah. I can only imagine how many outfits that must have, you must have gone through to get him to say. Well, he didn't think I was going to make it the whole way. I mean, I remember him saying, like, try to make it to week three so you're not the first to get out. And I was like, <laughs> I'll try. Thanks for the confidence, Dad, right? <laughs> hey, I, I kind of was shocked myself, so no offense <laughs> taken. Well, you did great, but I, you're right. I can only imagine what's been thrown at you, you know, the opportunities that the world's thrown at you. And I will tell you to say, you know, I went back and I, I watched it, you know, back when it first began, but I went back in the last, you know, month and been watching some older episodes again, just to remind me of the show. And I, again, I was shocked at how vocal your parents are in their faith. Uh, I mean, even Crazy Sai is vocal in his faith. Crazy. Is he really that crazy, by the way? He's way crazier. Oh, wow. Like- Y'all have like 23 minutes with him. This is a lifetime of an <laughs> uncle. I remember it's actually kind of funny. Everybody like loves Uncle Cy, but I mean, we all have the weird uncle, right? You know? And I remember like growing up, we just thought he was like so strange. You know, we would just literally watch him and just be like, he is so strange. And then he like became the most famous of all of us. We we're like, how did that happen? <laughs> I, I'm not going to lie. He's hilarious. I oh, mean, he is hilarious. He, yes. So he is that funny all the time. Okay. Yeah, he really is. But you know, I loved, I loved it because at the end of every episode, I was just, I was, the first one I saw it, I was like, there's no way this is an accident. No way. The, just the boldness to stop and pray. And at the end of the prayer to say in Jesus name, amen. I mean, I just had to say, first of all, hats off. Thank you to your whole family for sticking to your faith. It's incredible. So I want to ask you, and I don't, we're not trying to run anyone down, but I mean, these networks are not exactly Christian networks. So how, I mean, there had to be some battles with that. What was that like with crew, yeah. with executives? There yep. had to be some battles that your mother and your father and your grandfather and, and you have fought. For sure. Yeah, there was a lot. I remember specifically the in Jesus name thing. So um, whenever the show first started, you know, you, you film for like a week and then they pick 20 minutes of the week that you filmed the one episode. And so you really don't know what they're going to pick. And Honestly, the prayer wasn't like in, it wasn't supposed to happen. We literally just sat down for a meal and we prayed because we always pray. And so we asked them, you know, will you put that on? They put it on. And then we started noticing that in every single episode, they would take out in Jesus' name at the beginning. And my grandpa seriously told them, if you keep taking out Jesus' name, we're not going to do this show. Like he was so mad. And then they were like, well, you know, it's offensive, all, the whole thing. And then he said, well, it's really important to us that you put in Jesus' name. And so seriously, we're not going to do this show if you don't put in Jesus' name. So I remember this whole thing was happening all week. They were talking back and forth. And so I'm very glad I was there for this dinner scene because it was a moment I will never forget. Uh, we all circled around the table. And I mean, Memo Camp Hillfield's house is very small. It's like a double-wide trailer pretty much on a high rise. And so we were all around this table, but there's like tons of film crew like all around us. So there's cameras everywhere and we're just sitting there praying. And then I remember Phil said, Lord, and he always says, creator of the cosmos. 
And he said, I pray for these Starbucks drinking. I remember that's how it started. And then he said, yuppie people in Hollywood who keep taking out in Jesus' name. Yes. And then he proceeds to say, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in my Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that happened. And I remember we're all like holding hands and we're all like. <laughs> So you're like, this yeah. is the last show. This oh, is yeah. the last one. Oh, yeah. Right? We're like, it was we're a good done. Run. Season one. Very short-lived. Um, but no, but they put it. And you know what? I will say, like, people clap for us. To, we always say thank you so much for those who watch and support it. Because seriously, the, Hollywood was so blown away by how much people supported that. Because it was shocking. Because they've never done that. They don't put in Jesus' name for a reason. Because most of the time, it doesn't go well. They don't put kids respecting parents because people don't watch that. I mean, I remember that was the big thing too. They don't put whenever couples actually get along because where's the drama? Where's the fun? And so when we had more ratings than every other show, they listened. And I just think that's a really good lesson for the church to learn that actually Hollywood can be influenced by the church when the church is loud about their faith. And so I'm like, don't be quiet about that. Support people. I think sometimes as a church, We tear down, you know, people who are Christians who become famous. They're like, oh, they're about to lose it. They're about to do this. But if instead we championed them and cheered them on, like, it would make a huge difference. Like, we saw it firsthand. Well, you guys have stayed, towed the line, and thank you for that. That's incredible because it does inspire all of us. It really does, including your crazy uncle. And so, (laughs) yes. now, okay, I want to dig into the book. There's so much good stuff here. And again, I want to encourage you guys to get her books. They're really great. But I actually uh, was blown away. The very first thing you covered was depression and suicide. And, uh, and I'm so thankful you did. I don't even think you knew at the time, because we didn't know COVID was going to happen, right? I mean, you had a book tour coming up and all this. So that's the first thing you cover. And, you know, right now, it is the second leading uh, killer of young people is suicide. And so you address it directly. And so I just want to ask you this question. This is, we're living in unprecedented times. People are depressed. Young people are very depressed and, and sometimes even suicidal. Is there a time you, you just openly said, hey, I'm going to be a sister. So would you just right now be a sister to someone right now who's really having a tough time? Because this, this is reality. I mean, we're having fun up here, but not everyone's having a good time. Yeah. So what do you say to the person, like, when were you in a dark spot, and what do you do to get out of that? Yeah, that's great. Um, I'll kind of make a round way to go, sure. to go to that, because I think it is really interesting that I wrote the book about live and about life, and I immediately addressed suicide. And that was very intentional, because I actually was writing a book called Live United. That was the book that I had signed to write. I had started writing it. It was about unity and, you know, dropping the comparison to celebrate and champion relationships, and then... Then I found out that suicide was the second leading death of young people. And then one of my friend's um, husbands committed suicide. And I was, like, devastated. And um, I just thought, I need to scratch this book. Like, I need to write a book right now about choosing life and celebrating life. And um, I did not know what I was going to write about, honestly. I was like... I hadn't personally struggled with that. I've struggled with deep anxiety, but I never struggled with the depression side. I never struggled with the suicidal thoughts. And so at first I felt really unequipped to, to write about this. But I was like, God, okay, you're going to give me the words. Like you are the creator of life and you, your spirit lives of the in cosmos, me. Actually, yes, the of the cosmos. cosmos. So God, like I know I can write this. And so this was like the hardest book to write because every word was like really searched for, but every word was so intentional. I know that our tongue holds the power of life and death. And so I knew this would bring life to people. And this is such a crazy story. So 
it was my final night of writing the book. My book was due the next day, and I was like up. It was like I was way too late to finish this book. I <laughs> procrastination. I really actually wasn't procrastinating. It was just so hard to write, and so it was like literally two in the morning. I'm writing as fast as I can. I'm like, I got to finish this book. Tomorrow's the deadline, and I really just felt in my spirit that I needed to go check my Instagram messages, which I know sounds funny, but I don't read my Instagram messages like ever because. People are crazy, and some of you are very kind, but people are crazy. And so I just trust the Lord that I'll meet the people I'm supposed to meet. So I don't really check my DM box, and so I just felt like I was supposed to. So I'm writing, and I'm like, I just keep feeling this in my spirit. So I'm like, okay, I'll just go look. So I go look, and literally, this girl had posted a sermon that night about the prodigal son, and I talk about the prodigal son in the book. That's kind of where I go off up. Because the prodigal son, of course, leaves home, his inheritance, and he reaches this point where it says he's at the brink of death. And I think that that's where a lot of young people are, where they get to that point of hopelessness. They feel like they wasted their life. They feel like they don't matter anymore. And they are at the brink of death. And you have this decision, do I follow through or do I repent and turn in the direction of God and literally go back to my home, my inheritance? And so I was like, this is where I'm going to go off of. So I post this message and... Meanwhile, I'm writing the book, and I see this girl at the top of the page, and she said, Hey, Sadie, I just wanted to let you know that I just watched your sermon on the prodigal son, and it was amazing, and I'm about to commit suicide. She said, I'm going to follow through with it, but I wanted you to know before I did that you changed my life. And I start typing as fast as I can back. Um, I hope I'm not too late. Are you still there? I would love to talk to you. And she responds, I'm literally sitting here with pills in one hand and a note in the other, and my phone rang. And I went and checked, and I can't believe that you DM me back. And we start chatting, and I tell her I'm writing this book. And I say, I'm just, like, there's no way this is by accident that we are having this conversation. And she didn't, she didn't commit suicide. She chose life, and we've kept up with her. Praise God. And so I say that because... God is so intentional. I mean, even writing this, seeing the miracle, like that was a miracle that that girl chose life. And so if you are here and you are struggling with that, you're not alone and you're not crazy for feeling those feelings. The world is dark right now. It's scary. And you might have made decisions in your life that have made you feel like I'm not worth living. But that is so contrary to what God would say about you even right now in the way that you're feeling. God literally breathed life into you for a reason. And I always say this. God is not shocked that you're alive right now. Obviously, you know, like he knit you together in your mother's womb. He knew you before he formed you. Like he knows your beginning and he knows your end. So he's not surprised that you're living. He's not disappointed that you're living. He's proud that you're living. He loves you. And so I always just say life is not only worth living, but it's also worth celebrating. And so this book, I try to get people to the point of believing that. People always said, like, when this whole, start, this whole thing started, they said, Sadie, do you feel like it was kind of funny that your book came out called Live an Exciting and Fulfilling Life During the Quarantine? I say, I know that is funny, but no, this is exactly the time I would want this book to come out because it is in the time when people don't think it's worth living and worth celebrating that I want them to know that God still has your life worth living and still it's worth the celebration. That's and so, so good. <laughs> so before I put a period there, I wanted to say, for those of you who have been looking for a sign from God, you just got your sign from God. That's your sign. Life is worth living. Don't give up. Don't give up. 
Let me just say this real quick, too. You know, your parents are obviously amazing people. And um, I told you backstage, I had the honor to meet your mom just real briefly one time in an airport. Um, and your, your dad, I just, I, I love their obvious faith. I know they get that from their parents as well, uh, which is incredible. But I just have to say, you know, you have faced unprecedented opportunity, but also unprecedented temptation to easily be conformed to the world. So I got to just ask you, what did your parents do different because so many, like you said, so many young Christian kids growing up in the Hollywood or in the fame stream kind of just wreck. I mean, just, just, you know, unravel. What in the world did Willie and Corey do, right? Mom and dad do differently with you guys to keep you from doing that. That's awesome. Yeah, my parents are amazing. Um, they're the best. I will say they're not perfect, and they would never want me to come up here and act like they were. Um, but I think that's actually the beauty to them is that they never tried to be, and they were very relatable to us and very real with us throughout the whole process of the show. But I remember my mom said something to us, and she would always respond to this when people would ask. They would say, like, how did y'all decide to, you know, keep the faith whenever you stepped into Hollywood? Or how did you decide to become a Christian, you know, in Hollywood? And my mom would say, I never decided to become a Christian in Hollywood. I decided that way long ago. And she would tell us, she was like, you don't get to, she's like, when you make a decision to follow Jesus, that should not come as a decision that's like dependent on if you get famous or dependent on if you get this job position or dependent on if you get into this relationship. If you're a follower of Jesus, that is your first priority and commitment. And so she's like, I think people, it's so weird because they're like... You know, you're a follower of Jesus, but then how'd you decide in Hollywood? It's like, no, if you're a follower of Jesus and you get the opportunity to go to Hollywood, then you better still be a follower of Jesus and be confident in that, you know, because that's your relationship. That's what you're committed to. Just like a marriage, you know, it's like if I'm committed to Christian, then if something happens, I'm not just like, oh, well, now I can do this. No, I committed to him for a lifetime. It's the same with God. It's the same with the Bible. And they were never, they never shied away from their faith, no matter what situation they got into. I saw them on some of the biggest platforms, the biggest stages, but I also saw them with one person in our home and they were never different and I think that was something that spoke really loudly to me as a kid that I saw the same people on stage as I did in my house and that's huge the consistency was really huge because I knew their faith was real so the private Robertson family is the same as the public Robertson family yeah that's beautiful I love it and I think it's such a challenge for all of us to just what you just said is keep your commitment you committed to God keep keep it I want to read this. This is so good. Your mother said this in in the introduction to your book. It's really powerful. Uh, She said this about you. Uh, She doesn't listen to the haters or let the opinions of others define her. She listens hard to those who love her and is always eager to learn. She seeks the wisdom of those before her and passes on what she has learned to those coming up behind her. My favorite part, she says, she listens hard to those who love her. You know, some of the young people are listening to everyone they don't even know and ignoring those that do know them. So what would you say to that young person who maybe is balking? They're saying, I don't want to listen to this. I don't want to have to submit to this authority. I don't want to have to do. What would you say to that person? I mean, I think a question would be asked is like, well, how do you want your life to turn out? You know, and I think that's kind of the question I asked myself. I talked about whenever I saw fame. How do I really want my life to turn out? How do I want to live my life? Because I can take this route and there will be temporary moments of highs and joys of success, but that's not ultimately what my life, what I care about. That's not when I, whenever I'm at the end of my life, I don't want to be known for being the most famous person or for doing this or doing that. Like I want to be known for following Jesus and 
a girl like on Instagram that night where I get the opportunity to change her life for the gospel. Like those are the things I want to be known for. So I think about that with people, you know, especially young people, you know, they look at TikTok all day long and then you don't realize it, but it affects how you dress and it affects how you act. And they look at Instagram all day long and then they're wondering why they're insecure and why they're so anxious and why they feel lonely. They're looking at Twitter and they wonder why they're so filled with anger and hate. And I'm like, because that's what you're looking at all day long. And if you think about not being conformed by the world, the Bible even talks about that. Don't be conformed by the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve God's will. So when you think about that in life, okay, if I'm not gonna be conformed to the pattern of this world, then I can't follow the pattern of this world 24-7. I can't read it 24-7. I can't look at it 24-7. If I'm gonna be transformed by the renewal of my mind, then I need to stop listening to the world and I need to listen to the voices of God. I need to listen to the voice of my parents, of my friends. She's just preaching now. And so- Like, man. And I'm not like 50 years old telling you this. I'm 23. Like, I just, I'm walking this with you guys. I just walked through high school. I just walked through the years that I would have gone to college, you know. I feel the same things you feel. And I've done the same things. I've looked at it all day. I've, you know, immersed myself in it. And I've seen how it makes me feel. And that's not how I want to feel, you know. And then I put it down. And I read the word. And I'm like, wow, I'm so confident in who God made me to be, you know. And I'm like, it's not, that's just what the word even promises, you know. It's not that big of a surprise. So you said the word, you said the word confident. Tell us your favorite verse. My favorite verse is Hebrews 10.35. It says, so then do not forget the confident trust that you have in the Lord, for that will be richly rewarded. And I have stuck with that verse since literally, I remember when I wrote it on my board. It was January 16, 2012. So it's been quite a hot minute since I first read that verse. I remember I was in eighth grade and I wanted to be confident so bad because everybody's like, you need to be confident in who you are. And I'm in eighth grade and I'm like, how in the world am I supposed to be confident in who I am? Like I had the braces with the like band going this way. Like it was not cute, okay? I was not looking good in the eighth grade. My mom would not let me wax my eyebrows. It was rough, okay? So I did not know how I was about to be confident. And so I just remember Googling a verse on confidence. And what I really wanted to find is just something that God would just be like, you should just be confident because I made you awesome. And that is not what I found, actually. Um, I found, do not forget the confident trust that you have in the Lord, for that will be richly rewarded. And I remember it like literally like shocked me because I was like, I don't have to be confident in myself. This is amazing. I don't have to be confident in myself. I get to be confident in who God is. And that will be richly rewarded because when I stop actually thinking about myself and I think about my creator, I become really confident in what he's gonna do. And it changed every bit about how I think. And I'm so glad I read that in eighth grade because had I not gotten that in my mind and gone into being a celebrity, if you will, or having a following and listening to the critics or seeing the things people say about me, it would have crushed me if I tried to do it in my own self. I mean, it doesn't matter how good you think you are. People will crush you, you know, like people will always have an opinion. You can look at my Instagram and on the same post, on the same post, you will see five people say you're so beautiful and five people say you're the ugliest person I've ever seen. I mean, It's just, that's just the way the world is. And so if you let your confidence dependent on what the world said, you would be like this. But I am so confident in who God is and I'm so glad because he is the Alpha and Omega and he never changes. So it doesn't go like this. Good, so good. Ah. 
you're, you're, you know, you've grown up with this amazing family, and um, we're starting a series next week called Fight for Your Family. I keep hearing about people fighting in their family. We need to be fighting for our family. And so in that, can you just tell, I'm, I'm, no, I'm putting you in a spot, what, can you tell me a time when your family, maybe not with a network, maybe just whatever, where you've seen your family fight for your family, mm-hmm. whether it's your parents or your grandpa or, your, or whoever, your grandma, when you've seen your family fight for one another? Yeah, for sure. I've seen it a lot. I mean, just like I said on Instagram, you know, you post a picture and you get five comments of great and five comments of just terrible. It's the same way with even press and different things. Um, And it's also the same way if you don't have press. You have moments in life where things are good and you have moments in life where things are bad. You have moments where you're winning and you have moments when you're losing. And you have moments when you're on fire over your faith and then sometimes you just fail. And, you know, of course, with a big family, you get that a lot because everybody's in a different day. Everybody's going through a different thing. But I've consistently seen my family fight for a family over and over and over again. And the way I see that is like this, like when something happens, whether it's public or private, every single time my family has like a get together if something goes wrong. And I love that. And I do think that that is intentionally fighting for our family because we don't let time pass without hearing what actually happened or hearing the truth of what actually happened so that we can defend each other. I remember even whenever, and I'll take it to press because that's just an obvious thing, when the biggest things would come out about my family, because sometimes things would come out before we would even know and we'd find find out on Twitter or we'd find out on the news. And that is really weird. And I remember my mom would be like, all right, everybody come together. And we would hear the person out as to what happened or what they were going through and let truth reign. And if they didn't know truth yet, somebody would speak truth over them. I think about my mom even in that with me. And I'll kind of go back to even a question you asked, what were practical things when you're in a hard time? Because I remember a practical thing for me was asking questions to people around me. I remember whenever I was in like the depth of my like anxiety I was just like having panic attacks left and right and just saying no to everything I really should have been saying yes to because I was so scared. And um, I remember I wasn't taking the time to learn truth, but but I was talking to my family about it. And I remember my mom took the time to learn so many verses on not being afraid so that every time I came to her and I would be in a panic, she would literally recite Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen you. I will uphold you on my righteous right hand from Isaiah. And I didn't know that verse at the time, but here I am to y'all reciting it because my mom took the time to learn it and speak it over me. And so practical things is find people in your life who speak truth over you whenever you don't know truth or whenever you can't speak it over yourself. And in moments where you fight with your family, you fight for your family, is when somebody needs to hear truth, speak it over them, but you have to come together to be able to do that. I think the temptation... so good. I think the temptation whenever something bad happens is you get so mad, you don't want to talk. You don't want to show up. You just want to run away. But that just creates distance and that just creates hurt. But whenever you come together, there's amazing things that can happen. And I've seen my family do that over and over and over again. I love old school, get the word out, learn the verse on what you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. That's so good. It just works. Okay, we're out of time. I want to ask you one last question because we could go all day. There's so much. It's just been great, by the way. Thank you so much, Sadie. This has been amazing. You're doing great. Thank you. So you have a very popular podcast, and I, I love how in-depth you go. Like you, you interview people and ask them amazing questions. And one of your favorite questions to ask them is, what is the best advice you've, you've been given? So I want to ask you, who asks all these wonderful I love people, it. I love it. 
What's the best piece of advice that you've heard that re- you really implemented in your life? That's awesome. Thanks for asking that. This is so cool because actually the reason I started my podcast is I was at this event with my mom. It was a sorority girl event, and it was so funny. My mom and I both had the headset mic, so like you can't put the mic here if you didn't mean to say something. And they asked me this question, what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? And I answered it, and my mom didn't know she was on the mic, and she went, whoa, that's good. <laughs> And I said, we should do a podcast and ask people the best piece of advice. And we'd say, whoa, that's good. And that's literally how it started. So um, the best piece of advice I've ever gotten. I love this piece of advice. It really has changed, I think, a big part of who I am. But my great-grandma, she's one of my favorite people in my life. She is still going, and she's awesome. Um, She told me one time I came in, and I was, like, just so upset because somebody was so rude to me. And I just remember asking her, like, what should I do? You know, what should I do about this? And I remember she told me this. She said, Sadie, or she said this, honey, she always calls me honey, honey, you are not kind because other people are kind to you. You are kind because you are a kind person. And it was the best piece of advice because people are mean sometimes. People do say hurtful things. And a lot of times we want to react and we want to respond. And she said, no, you're not kind because they were kind. You are kind because that's who you are. And, you know, it, it kind of goes up to everything we're saying. When you're rooted in the word, when you're rooted in your identity, it doesn't matter what people say about you, who you are remains and shines through for sure. Sadie Robertson Huff. Unbelievable. Wow. So Sadie, Sadie, thank you for coming. We're so honored that you're here. I want to encourage you guys to get a copy of this book. It's called Live. It's out today. Please order it. I want to encourage you to do that. Incredible resource. I was already digging in. I'm like, I'm a grown man. I want to read this. This is really good. This is some really great stuff. It's not just for your generation because it's timeless truth. And so I want to encourage you to get a copy of this. And I want to say on behalf of all of our church and those who are watching, thank you for being the real deal. You guys give it up for Sadie Robertson Huff. Thank you so much. Thank you. Wow. Amazing. Thank you. You may be seated. We're so glad you guys have been watching us and staying with us at all of our campuses. I just want to say to everyone right now, you know what? Sadie experienced something. She saw Jesus in her home. She saw it with her parents, with her grandparents, with her great-grandparents. What a, what a legacy of generations of people who follow Christ. And you may say, Pastor, that's awesome. I don't have that. But you know what? Someone in her line, someone in her lineage, someone in her family didn't have that either. And someone started it. Someone said, I recognize truth when I hear it. That's real. That's not fake. That's not fame chasing. That's legit. That'll last a lifetime and beyond. I want that kind of faith. And if that's you today, you can receive Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, and you can start the chain in your family for generations on. And so right now, we're going to take a moment. You can just bow your heads right now across all of our campuses, and we're going to pray. It's a simple prayer of faith just receiving Christ, what he's done for us. The Bible's very clear. If I could give you the Spark Notes version of the Bible, it's this. God sent his own son, Jesus, to die on the cross for our sins where we have committed things that that are wrong. God said, it's okay. I love you enough that I'm gonna send my son to pay the price for those things. If you'll simply receive him, you get heaven. You get a relationship with God. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, you can pray this prayer with me. You can just say it out loud. You can just say, dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you paid the price for my sins. And I believe you rose again. I ask you to come into my heart, be my Lord and be my savior. 
I repent of my sins. I put you in first place. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In your name we pray. Amen. Isn't God good? His word is so true.